Hello, everyone. My name is Robert Winfrey, and what you're about to listen to is an old show that I used to host called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. This particular episode originally aired on March 28, 2014, and it is part two of a look at the villains of Spider-Man. This was part of my long look at various comic book villains. Long look. A lot of material to cover. And features a discussion exclusively about the subset of Spider-Man villains and a spin-off in their own right in some respects, the symbiotes. Characters like Venom, Carnage, Anti-Venom, Rage, Wrath, Envy, pretty much in all of the deadly sins. Uh, somewhat notably absent would be the character of Null, because if you paid attention, I said this aired in 2014, and the super-powered cosmic entity Null responsible for the creation of the symbiotes did not appear until 2018. I'm joined for this particular episode by Mark Radlitz and Jason Teasley, and we have a good time talking about symbiotes, I suppose. This episode is being re-released in conjunction with the release of Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Yeah, I'm not enthused, <laughs> but I hope you are. I mean that sincerely. Before we get into the episode in particular, let's get a couple of bills paid. There are a few sponsors for this particular episode. First up, Amazon Music. There's a lot of quality music out there. Some of it's occasionally been featured in symbiote-related properties. I'm sure you all have things you want to talk about there. But Amazon Music is a wonderful streaming service for music. It has over 70 million unique songs. So many artists, so many albums. You can get lost in there for years. Uh, and we here are offering you a free 30 days. If you go to the link provided in the description, getamazonmusic.com slash w2mnetwork, that will provide you with a free 30 days of Amazon Music. After that, if you like it, you can keep it. If not, well, you are under no obligation. It's nothing but uh, a free 30 days of one of the best streaming services for music that exists on the Internet right now. And I say that as a consumer and a user of it, not as someone who is paid to say that. Our second... Uh, sponsor for this particular episode is Grammarly. For you listeners of the W2M network, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash w2mnetwork to download Grammarly for free. The style improvements and the contextual errors. Biggest helps for, if you're loosely literate or proficient with the English language, you really do want the style improvements and the contextual errors. Those are the things that get kind of wrapped up and lost a little bit along the way, so... Feel free to click the link down there, get Grammarly, start communicating more effectively anywhere you write on the Internet. And with that out of the way, let's go ahead and throw it back to 2014 and the conjunction of myself, Jason Teasley, and Mark Radlitz to talk all things slimy and symbiotic. Pass me, take it away.
When the devil is too busy and death a bit too much, they call on me by name, you see, for my special touch. To the gentleman, I'm misfortune. To the ladies, I'm surprised. But call me by any name, anyway, it's all the same. I'm the fly in your suit. I'm the test in your shoe. I'm the thief beneath your bed. I'm the bump on every head. I'm the pill on which you slip. I'm the pin in every head. I'm the thorn in your side. Makes you wiggle and ride. gentlemen thank you for joining us here on everyone loves a bad guy be it live download first time first time of many long time fan however you got here however long you've been here thank you to anyone and everything in between i wouldn't have a show without you because hey the fact that people actually listen to this is what makes it interesting what makes me put effort into this the more of you listen the better i try to be so thank you for that thank you for making me better and i hope you all have been enjoying the show so far and I hope you're going to continue to enjoy it. I'm your host here on Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, the authority on evil, Mr. Robert Winfrey. Now, I'm still in the midst of comic books, comic book villains. They're everywhere, folks, and we are still trudging through. Tonight, we are trudging back. A little bit of backtracking here. You see, a couple of weeks ago, I had Robert Cooper, Benjamin J. Cologne, and Jason Teasley on, and we spent two hours talking about Spider-Man villains. There was a subset that was omitted from that particular bit of discussion by and large that was the symbiotes and if you don't know what i'm talking about we're going to get into that in the near future but we kind of left them off the table because we wanted to come back and talk about them again talk about those guys they get their own show folks yay i need a sound bite that's a little party music which i don't have right now but hey imagine it party sound in your head yay all right now i'm not here alone i've got a couple of guests with me First, he's been here several times. He is the uh, benefactor, the patriarch of the Radlich and Broadcasting Network. The mandated reporter himself, Mr. Mark Radlich, is back with us. How you doing, Mark? Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me back on again. I always enjoy doing your show. And I always like having you on. Really, and... you're the only one. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, the casual. No, 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 no. It's people who do podcasts with me, by and large, enjoy doing them with me because I, I can hold up my end of a conversation, generally speaking. Um, however, your listeners, uh, and I know this because I see the numbers, when I come on, there's the, uh, the collective sound of people turning off the fucking podcast. That's what happens. They hear Pat, they call a friend. They, see, they, they hear me, they're like, what's on Bellator tonight? Oh, Bellator. No one cares about Bellator. Sure. All right, and back again to extol the virtues of everyone's favorite black and red symbiote, Jason Teasley from the Cheap, from the cheap Seats is here with us. How you doing, Jason? All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to. I look funny, but yo, I'm making money, see, so oh, well, I hope you're ready for me. I can gather around. I'm a new fool in town, and my sound's laid down by the underground. What's up, man? Oh, not too much. Nice little rhyme there. You know what that is? I've done it just for you, Mark. I know Did what it say? is. I'm, I actually hear my... nobody is excited and, and can be on your level when you do introductions. 
So I, I'm I'm pumped to be on the show with you. I'm glad well, you're good. here. I'm glad. I'm, yeah, I, I, we, we haven't done too many shows together. This might be the first one. So that's all still fine and dandy, but I, I need to settle Mr. Mr. Whitebread over here, Mr. Utah, Mr. Traveling Man, the uh, Sam the Eagle himself. Do you not know what he just did? Nope. No clue. This is a Humpty dance. Huh. It's your chance to do the hump. Hey, yo, fat girl, come here. Are you ticklish? Yeah, I called you a fat. Yeah, I called you a fat. Look at me. Um. All right, all right, all right. Let's, let's Never stop me from getting busy. I'm a freak. <laughs> I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Before this goes any further, I'm the one that said, just grab me in the biscuits. Now, what's that going? <laughs> yeah. All right, no, I had no idea what that was. All right, and we're going to be... Do yourself a favor and download it. Uh, yeah, people who tell me that. I've been told that many times. I've regretted it, almost, but maybe I just have bad friends. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, uh, before we get really rolling here, we have a guest caller. I think I know who this is, but I don't want to you know, presume too much. But area code 732, we're talking Spider-Man symbiotes. You're here very early in the show. If you got something you want to get off your chest, now's the time to do it. Do you want to build a snowman? No. It You're doesn't have to be there. a snowman. <laughs> Go away, Pat. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just had to drop in. Uh, before you get really rolling, I have to say, first of all, that I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that Teasley, Radulich, and Winfrey combination. This is a first. Second of all, do you understand that the best media interpretation of Venom outside of the comic books is the movie The Cable Guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I'm going to use that one at some point in the future when I actually get around to watch it. In all seriousness, it's a symbiotic relationship between this needy, attached person played by Jim Carrey who becomes a symbiote to this seemingly mild-mannered guy and then entrances himself into every aspect of his life. He stalks his girlfriend like Venom did to Mary Jane. He invades himself into his family life like Venom did to Aunt May. It's really exactly taken from the comics and made into a movie about a cable guy instead of an alien symbiote that developed a, an affectionate love towards Spider-Man and didn't want to be away from him. But if you ever watch the movie and then you read the comic, maybe a light bulb just went off for you, but... It's the best interpretation of Venom by far. How well did you do in, in, in high school English? Did you just knock it out of the park all four years? Absolutely. I was actually a National Honor Society member as well. It absolutely shows, my friend. It absolutely shows. <laughs> the level of reaching in your analysis there was a Mr. Fantastic level. Mwah. Let me also say this. I think we can all agree Jim Carrey would have been better than Topher Grace. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I think Joe Piscopo would have been better than Topher Grace. Dude, now, my listen, left folks. My left. I did an entire. Hang on. I did an entire podcast defending the merits of Spider-Man Three. Are we ready for this? Are you, do we want to start right there? You want? You want to start? Are we? Are we? Is this Star Wars? Do we want to start in the middle and work our way backwards? What's going on? Let here? me say. Hold on, Mark. I heard that podcast. I enjoyed that podcast. You did not defend Topher Grace as Venom. I'm not stepping on yeah. your toes. <laughs> all right, fair enough. I could have played a better Venom. Yeah, it's... All right. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to say, Pat, apart from that startling insight? No, startling insight's pretty much what I do here. I'll be listening for the what? rest of the show, though, fellas. Have a great one. You Thanks, too. And your call-in has now assured us an extra 50 listeners. <laughs> as, as it always does. <laughs> all right, Pat, have a good night. Good night, well, fellas. I got to point something out. Mark said that viewership drops when he comes on. Has anybody seen my numbers? They're fucking minuscule. Eh, so this might be the lowest solid. rated show ever. <laughs> Only one way to find out. We're, we're going to plow through this thing, and then at the end we will... If this is the lowest rated show I've ever done, I will proudly proclaim that, and I will promote the hell out of it just because it's the least listened to. 
Ironically enough, <laughs> making you one of the more listened to. But hey, I will it take that ball and I will run. With just, it. just change the subtitle from Symbiotes Two or Venom, whichever it is right now, and call it "Everybody Loves a Bad Guy." Worst show ever. Yeah, comic book guy shows up. All right. Let's start off with Venom. He's the most well-known. Now, Mark, you and I talked about this a bit off-air, but in conventional Spider-Man lore, that what the general populace knows, Venom's a symbiote, but he, he was on a meteor that crashed into the planet Earth, and he bound himself to Spider-Man kind of through happenstance. That's what's in the third movie. That's what's in every television show, to the best of my knowledge. That, that's typical canon at the moment, but it's not accurate to the comics, and I know you know what goes on, so if you could maybe educate people about the traditional you know, Venom storyline, and then we'll kind of go from there. It all started with the 12-part Secret Wars series that came out in the 80s. I want to say it was Marvel's, Marvel's big uh, yearly crossover event. So, for those who have enjoyed the Acts of Vengeance and Maximum Carnage and World War Hulk and Avengers Disassembled, it all started where the plot line was essentially this godlike being, the Beyonder, uh, brought up a series of good guys and a series of bad guys, deposited, deposited them on a planet called Battleworld, and said, I need to learn stuff. Fight! And uh, they, spent <laughs> they spent the next 12 uh, uh, comic books trying to figure out how to get the fuck off this world and, uh, and, you know, and figure out what this Beyonder was all about. Um, a little tangential here. Uh, Secret Wars Part 2, the Beyonder comes to Earth and tries to figure out what it's all about down there, and I think then Dr. Doom steals his power. Hi, Pat. In any case... Well, Doom would do that, because Doom's awesome. <laughs> I covered this. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> yes. In any case, um, relevant to tonight's podcast, what ends up happening is uh, Spider-Man's suit gets nearly torn to shreds, and so he's um, using the equipment at their base on Battleworld to try to get a new suit. And instead of getting a new suit, he he accidentally sets free an alien symbiote that uh, uses his memories and his feelings about the second Spider-Woman in her black and white costume, and he forms a costume uh, in and of itself, the the, the very famous black and white Spider-Man costume. Um, And and at first, they don't really detail any sort of uh, sentience within the costume, it just, it obeys his, um, it obeys his commands, it, uh, it fires off its own webbing, it'll turn into clothing, it becomes like the perfect suit. What we find out after they get off the of battle world and, um, and once he comes back to Earth is over a period of time, and this was covered pretty extensively in the Web of Spider-Man series, it was the third Spider-Man series come out after Amazing and Spectacular, that, um, there was in fact an it was in fact a an alien symbiote. It had feelings of its own. It was causing uh, Peter Parker to become more ferocious, um, more um, not so much deadly, but definitely more violent as a hero. And it was starting to take over his life. So uh, he ridded himself of the thing once he found out that uh, one of the things that could defeat the symbiote was sound. Um, so there's a very famous. Uh, scene where he's in the church and, you know, he's got the ringing of the bells and the bells make the suit fall off of him and uh, that's how he uh, divorces himself from the alien costume. All right. And yeah, that's true and, you know, we mentioned this a bit off air but it's one of those things where everyone kind of looked at the traditional backstory of, oh, they went to Battleworld and he met it there and, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Well, he was on a meteor and crashed to Earth. It works fine. And... (laughs) For as all-encompassing as the Secret Wars kind of storyline was, 
if you're just doing a Spider-Man television show or movie, you you got to take that. You know, you can't do the whole thing just to get to that point. First of all, like two other studios own the rights to half the heroes that were on the bloody thing, so th- yeah, it would be impossible to do a Secret Wars type origin for it. But um, one thing I wanted to add additionally to that was they, uh, over time, you know, with the popularity of Venom and and the, and the black suit itself, uh, they gave it its own origin story. Which, you know, as much as I enjoyed Secret Wars, I I think that the you know, the whole concept of a planet of symbiotes and this one's the crazy outcast is really fascinating and something that I would like to see explored um, when uh, Sony starts doing Venom movies. Well, yeah, just to kind of, to anyone who doesn't know, they actually gave the symbiote its own backstory. It was on a planet of symbiotes. It was different. The other symbiotes tended to be bonded with their hosts for a little bit, then they'd leave, and it wanted to, this, you know, the Venom symbiote wanted to bond with one host and just use it until it, uh, until it died, basically. And everyone thought he was crazy for this. They looked at it, the rest of the symbiotes looked at this and said, "No, you're different. You're crazy. Be gone. Stuck him on a rocket ship. Threw him. I mean, he he wound up isolated in the Beyond, you know, Battle World where he was locked up. But everyone else kind of thought he was. His entire species thought he was crazy for thinking. Huh. That sounds vaguely familiar. Now, doesn't it? <laughs> now, when Sony starts doing, you know, they start doing Venom movies. I agree. They should show that. And what was he mentioned? Morgan Freeman should narrate. He should do the voiceover for this whole sequence. Yeah, I, I totally think that in the rebooted Amazing Spider-Man series, if they're going to introduce Venom that way and then start doing um, Venom solo movies, which I believe is the, is the plan, I think they should actually start with the whole introduction of the movie should be like Morgan Freeman narrating over um, you know, visions of the planet of symbiotes and, you know, you know, there was once a planet of symbiotes there, but Still one of is. them stood apart from would assume. For, damn it. <laughs> There's a planet of symbiotes <laughs> in the far reaches of the galaxy. <laughs> and, but one stood apart from his race of beings as wanting to be more, uh, more of a vampire type of symbiote than the rest. And they threw him off the planet like Zod from Superman and sent him to the far reaches of space. You know, if they put that like Zod from Superman in the Spider-Man movie, I'll pay to see it twice. I would actually love to see as you know, as as the symbiote goes one way towards Earth, Zod in the in the negative zone going the other way. Great, <laughs> that would be great. That would be um, Hollywood. Are you listening? Um, in any case, like you know, and then that's yeah, and have him they can skip Battle World. You know, they and they sent him away, and he's on his rocket ship or whatever. You know, and it crashes into Earth, and then he, you know, and he gets out of the ship, and he goes, more brains! And then, you know, we all, we're off and running. The irony of that particular statement is, those sim- is doing research, apparently, the other symbiotes, and surprisingly, there's more than one or two. There actually is a subset of symbiotes that eats brains. That's not a joke. <laughs> all right, now, that's kind of Venom's backstory, and he winds up spawning the... Car- well, fast forward, after he gets... You know, he winds up bonding with Eddie Brock, because Eddie hates... Peter Parker as well, it kind of fell on him, and it, the symbiote actually prevents him from dying. He has cancer in his adrenal glands, and the symbiote feeds off of adrenaline. That's one of the things it does, and it creates this wonderful relationship wherein this cancer will never actually kill Eddie Brock. Winds up in jail. He shares the cell with psychotic murderer Cletus Cassidy. Winds up dropping off part of itself, a child, so to speak, in the form of the black and red symbiote Carnage which then bonds with Cletus, and they go on to wreak all kinds of havoc across the Marvel Universe, depending on you know, how much they feel like doing that, or just getting ripped in half by the Sentry. I mean, hey, you know, an appearance is good. You get paid for that, right? Now, Jason, we talked previously a little bit about Carnage when we did the 
just rest of the Spider-Man characters. We talked about his design, some of the fun stuff that was had with him. I kind of gave you a bit of a hard time about him being kind of a one-note character, mm-hmm. and I will stand by that. I will say, however, that doesn't make him bad. It doesn't make him a bad character. So, you know, why do you gravitate towards Carnage as opposed to Venom or... Here's the list, folks. I have the list here. Venom, Carnage, Toxin, Anti-Venom, which is just Eddie Brock in a slightly different suit... Uh, Dreadface, Scream, Lasher, Phage, Agony, Riot, Hybrid, Cobra, that's with two A's, K-R-O-B-A-A, Kroba, I mispronounced that, my bad, Payback, Z-Z-Z-X-X, Scorn, or Mania, there's a lot of them, I bet you never heard of half of those, <laughs> knowledge gets dropped right. here, so Jason, <laughs> well, why I'm Carnage, homework. I did, I have, All right. so Jason, why Carnage, what about him kind of drew you, well, um, number one, He's a ginger, just like me. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's, true. that's always a plus. Soulless people stick together. Yes, my younger brother Second, agrees with you. Secondly, I mean, Cornish is just awesome. I mean, Venom, I, I, I'll give you a backstory for me and Venom real quick. Uh, originally, Venom was my favorite character. I loved Venom when he was with Eddie Brock. But then I kind of, you know, when they started doing the whole anti-hero with Venom, he lost his appeal to me. So, introduce Carnage, which another real cool thing about Venom is actually a Spider-Man reader came up with Venom, and Marvel purchased it for $200 off of him. <laughs> yeah, I bet Tell me he got a royalty. Him. Nope. He got $200. Oh, bucks. God. People out there, but, if you're going to sell your idea, get a royalty. But, like I said, fast forward, um, when Carnage came about, Carnage was just the epitome and basically the Marvel Spider-Man universe equivalent to the Joker. Eric Le- uh, Larson actually modeled Carnage after the Joker, just being that complete, psychotic, no-remorse-type character that just wanted to invoke chaos across wherever he is. And I kind of like that. Like, Just like yourself, Robert, um, I kind of gravitate toward the evil side of things, like, you know, wrestling, some of my favorite wrestlers are actually heels. And well, they're, they're the interesting that's what I, Yeah, I mean, that, because you get so more substance. Because who wants, who really likes the do-gooders? You know, everybody has a darkness inside. With Cletus Cassidy, he's, he's completely dark inside. There's no redeeming qualities of the man. I mean, growing up, he was, um, he's a homicidal sadist. That ba- he killed his grandmother for one, pushed her down a flight of stairs, tried to murder his mother by tossing a television in her bathtub, then tortured and killed his mom's dog. So it got. Then his dad actually killed his mom for because his mom tried to kill Cletus, trying to be the, you know, the virtue of good to stop the evil. His dad actually killed him. So Cletus became an orphan, and just like. Many orphans. I mean, Mark, you could probably relate to this. I mean, in the field that you're in, people grow up in in a um, unstable environment. They kind of they kind of fuck with each other. And Cletus, being a smaller individual, and, and a with ginger, back, yeah, and I, I a don't ginger, I don't hey. get it. But for whatever reason, there are, there's a large set of people who pick on redheads. I don't get it, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, look, Eva Marie catches hell. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Uh, But, I mean, they kicked on him. He was a smaller individual. And the only outlet he had was, I mean, the fucker was crazy. So fast forward, I mean, literally, he's batshit crazy. 
I mean, Mark could probably dissect him and have a field day. <laughs> but fast forward and get him and Brock in a cell together, and, you know, <laughs> Brock's a big intimidating dude, and Cletus is like, I'm not scared of you. And, you know, it, he tells him about the whole Venom thing. Well, the symbionite actually breaks Brock out of jail, and when he busts through the wall, he leaves a bit of himself behind. Cletus goes over, examines it, Symbionite drops on him, boom, you're introduced to Carnage. And from there, shit just gets real. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, just because he's a one-note character doesn't necessarily mean it's not interesting, you know, so, which is kind of a contradiction in some terms. But when Carnage shows up, you know exactly what's going to, you know what's going on. This is not, you know, there's no talking around it. He's going to cause as much chaos and havoc and spill as much blood as he possibly can. And knowing that that's there can can create for some pretty awesome storylines without necessarily having to try and develop a deep character or you know, emotional conflict or all of the things that can draw us to other characters. Having a static guy who's just there to cause all kinds of chaos is not the worst thing in the world. Can I interject here something? Um, I'm fine with everything. I'm fine with everything he said there, except that the uh, the person who designed Carnage, basing him on the Joker, I think, without knowing what that person was thinking, um, maybe in look and in general level of malevolence, but uh, there's a stark difference. The Joker, as I you know cataloged in our podcast a few weeks ago, and Carnage. Um, yes, they're both murderers. But Joker was all about trying to bring people down uh, psychologically. You know, his, I mean, it was not just about murder for the sake of murder. Um, Joker was, you know, Joker wanted to rip the mask off of society and show it for, and show it for the monster that he thought it was. Um, Carnage killed people. Carnage didn't have sort of an ulterior motive here. There was nothing psychological going on. He just wanted to chop people into little itty-bitty bits. So that's, okay, that's true and that's fair. I just, but that was he. Uh, I believe what Jason is referencing is the guy who designed and created Carnage, from a basic standpoint, kind of took some inspiration from the Joker. Now, how far they deviated off, I'm with you. You know, they're very, they're not terribly similar as far as characters go. But inspiration as a starting point takes you in a bunch of different directions, and the Joker has inspired his fair share of things that actually wound up being quite different. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like. Um a carbon copy. I mean, just the level of insanity that the Joker has is where I think that what he was actually going for, just to have a Marvel counterpart to the Joker rather than, you know, because Venom became so popular and they was like, and then they tried to make him the anti-hero because... It was the night nice. everyone was an anti-hero. Yeah, I mean, they tried to make Venom into the Punisher. Hey, they, um, which you know, I want to talk about that because, I mean, you don't like it, but I, but I thought it was a great idea. Um, real quick, Benjamin I don't, I don't necessarily dislike it. I was talking to Teasley, okay. damn it. Um, <laughs> what don't I like? I like everything you do, Mark. Hey, <laughs> I've got, Flattery gets I've got nowhere. Gang. Um, Benjamin J. Cologne, uh, who does our wonderful pad of cards for Long Road to Ruin, and occasionally everyone loves a bad guy, has just sent us in from the home game. Uh, they directly address the differences between Joker and Carnage in the Batman Spider-Man comic. So, there you go. All right. Well, um, they're wrong. <laughs> All right. We, we gingers, we gingers have a a, a bond, okay? And 
through the pages. Are you saying, uh, I got you. Are you saying if the Joker dyes his hair green because it's naturally red? Sure. <laughs> All right, now, man, Mark, you touched on something I want to get to as far as Venom goes. Now, this was a big craze kind of in the mid to late 80s, early into the 90s. Everybody got to be an anti-hero. Now, for those of you who don't know, there's some debate, some, you know, uh, differing opinions on how one defines an anti-hero, what goes into creating an anti-hero. For my purpose, my show, these are the parameters we're generally going to be using here. An anti-hero can be defined as someone who does heroic things for non-heroic. And that's a basic level of, okay, we can work from here. That There's your starting point. Now, again, don't don't message bomb me with you're an idiot and anti-hero is this and this or you know that's my starting that's where that's kind of how we define it and you can you know work within that but in the you know in that time frame everybody got you know the punisher got big batman had his back broken and we got azazel being iron batman type type of thing there i mean just everybody kind of no, decided, you know, bat, the punisher got crazy. Big. that's true too punisher got pretty big well, you know he, hang on. he was a craze. And Venom Hang on, went that was, was the defining anti-hero characteristic of Azrael, Punisher, Venom, was all of these people were motivated by uh, the, the ends justify the means. So the, so the thing that, that, that differentiates Batman and Spider-Man from uh, guys like the Punisher and um, Azrael and Venom was that, you know, and this is definitely directly addressed in... Uh, Bat, you know, in, in Batman comics, most recently in the in, in the Injustice uh, storyline, you know, obviously the game with uh, you know where Superman is evil and such that you know and that sort of thing is why do you continue to allow these criminals to live? Why don't we just kill them because we keep sparing their lives out of a, you know, a deeper sense of humanity? Then they and because our system is flawed. They break out, they beat their charges, they do whatever, and they go off and they kill again. People suffer because of our perceived depths of humanity. So the Punisher, Venom, and Azrael were like, no, let's just kill these fuckers. That'll solve the problem right then and there. The, the ends justified the means. That was the big... That, that was the unifying factor of all of them. All right. I, again, you probably know a lot more about that as far as the you know, minutiae goes than I do, so I will defer to your knowledge there, sir. But sometimes and, you just got to stop evil. Well, let me refer you. I, I brought this up before, but somebody put together, I think it was a Twitter conversation, though it might have been a, you know, an instant message or whatever, between Spider-Man and the Punisher. Spider-Man's bemoaning that Doc Ock got out again. Punisher's response is, shoot him in the head. And they go back and forth. <laughs> And they go back and forth for a little bit, like, what are you talking about? I can't do it. Yeah, no, shoot him in the head. One round. Here's a nickel. Go buy a twenty-two caliber bullet, put it in the back of his head. No, you're crazy. Yeah, my bad guys don't keep coming back either. Exactly. It's on the internet that's, somewhere, folks, I swear. You can find it. That's why I like Carnage, because he has no conscience. No I remorse, that, no have, conscience. I ever, have, have either of you played Injustice or read the comic book? I mean, Superman just kicks open the door as that Batman's questioning Joker, and to Batman's utter horror, he rips his spine out of his body, and Batman's like, "Why?" And Superman's <laughs> like, "Look outside, asshole." No, I, <laughs> I, 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 I've not had to play or read it. I've seen that particular I'm, panel, so I know what. But yeah, that's exactly. I would have thought that at least Batman would have gone, "Thank you." Now, don't do that again, type. You know, I mean, we could have gone from there and Superman going crazy, but if you're going to kill someone, the Joker's 
probably the most justifiable villain from any hero's standpoint to say, you know what, no, just die. They're inherent, this is not the appropriate place to do it, but inherent in this is a conversation about the death penalty that this country still wrestles with. Not to, yeah, not to bring yeah. down seventy. No, no, no that's you're, you're right. You're all all right, now you said you didn't, I've kind of mentioned that, okay, you know, anti-heroes, everybody got to be an anti-hero. And the sentiment and the you know the character arc and whatnot kind of became a little recycled as a as a cultural phenomenon. You didn't mind it for Venom, and that was and actually his you know when he started kind of being a good guy, you know, going the anti-hero route. I was uh, I wasn't put off by it. It was just a different layer that I I'll say a little less intrigued by than him just being a bad guy, which is not to say I wasn't still interested. So what was it about him going the anti-hero route that you? Well, I, first of all, I understood that when anything becomes popular. Um, the people who own the property are going to find ways to squeeze as much juice out of it as humanly possible. And there's only so much juice you can get out of something, I think, when it's the villain. Um, you know, I, I don't know how successful maybe, you know, Pat or Benjamin or someone listening has a, has a better idea of this, but I don't know how successful individual titles are that are headed up by villains in the comic world. I don't know how well they sell. However, um, obviously, comic book titles headed up by heroes even anti-heroes do sell well that's the whole you know that's the whole bedrock of the comic book industry right um you know we don't buy the ultron comic book we buy the avengers so uh, pat is talking to me now about this in any case i think you know once they knew they had a popular character on their hand and they had you know there's only so many times venom is going to not kill spider-man and either people are going to get bored and move on or they've got to find another angle with him to keep him in the comic book and keep him fresh and relevant Giving him his own series and making him a uh, an anti-hero was one way of accomplishing that, and it worked because I mean the, to this day the character you know lives on in its fourth uh, iteration you know, as Flash Thompson, which I'm assuming at some point we'll get to. But you know oh, yeah. so the, the the idea of a swole Spider-Man decked out in all black with the you know a grisly grin. Um, you know, still works today. People like it. People like the imagery. So it's just a way, you just got to find a way to market it. And Pat submits this from the home game. The villain series don't do well because they put, they're put into positions as heroes in these books, and that's not when people enjoy them. Think of how a face turn of a popular heel kills their momentum and makes them bland. Yeah, I think Pat's, you know, really sums it up nicely there. You, you know, if, you, if you're going to go ahead and give Venom his own series, you might as well turn him into... Uh, some degree of a hero because what, what are you going to do? Follow him as he walks around murdering people? You know, hey, it, it, it. I don't. Well, sure exactly. you would. that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what would be I wrong feel, with that? I feel like there would be a lack of a story. Um, but you uh, know, you see what I'm saying? You have to, you know, I do. You have to find a hook here, and I think you know the anti-hero thing is the hook. All right, I I was not put off by it. It was just. I found it a wee bit less intriguing, but I agree with you that, you know, if you're going to turn it into its own kind of standalone property, yeah, as much as well, I think you should have the, you know, go ahead. Make, if you're going to do a villain's comic book, don't put them in heroic situations. If you, someone buys a comic focusing on Dr. Doom or the Joker, we don't want to see them do good. We want to see them do bad things. And well, look at the history of the Punisher. The Punisher started out as a villain. And I've actually yeah. gone back and, re- and reread the original Punisher. It's a terrible comic. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you go back and read the origins of the Punisher, he started out as a guy that was killing crooks. And um, he caught on, however, with the public. And, they ha- you know, and then they created this entire backstory for him, a sympathetic backstory. And he went on to live 
you know, in many other comic books of his own, but as an anti-hero, as a, you know, as as Azrael, uh, you know, as, as the guy who's killing criminals. Do we have to? Should I bring up Frankencastle? <laughs> no, but at some point, Patrick wants us to reference the "What If" where the uh, Venom symbiote attaches itself to the Punisher. What if the Venom pretty... symbiote had the opportunity to attach itself to the Joker? Oh God, let's not. <laughs> That would, so I don't even want to think about it. For what that thing would have done to Barbara Gordon. Uh, yeah, that, that's not a pleasant mental image. Thank you, but... Hentai! <laughs> actually, Venom's not... When he's attached, he's not as much about the tendrils. Actually, Carnage does more of that. Uh, Jason, Carnage actually like forms his hands and whatnot into cutting tools, doesn't he? Yes, preferably an act. That is his, his favorite incarnation with his... Tentacles, I guess they're called tentacles. His, Something like that. Uh, yeah. Extremities, we'll call them extremities. We'll use my big word from class I learned. His extremities, he likes... <laughs> <laughs> the word of the day is... Hey, just think that I'm going to be on an ambulance trying to rescue people and save lives. Let that sink you're in. Be, you're, you're trying to be an EMT? Uh, yes, uh, take my EMT class, my final exam in May. Good for so, you. That drove one of my friends crazy, so lots of luck. Oh, I've got to do clinicals here shortly, and where I live, people have the tendency to um, get drunk and ride four-wheelers without helmets, so a lot of head injuries <laughs> and um, broken limbs that protrude the body. So, yeah. That's always fun. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Carnage loves just like the slice and dice, um, I guess, M.O. His M.O. is slice and dice. He loves turning his extremity into, like, an axe and just hacking people to utter shit. I mean, just, just annihilating people. And I'm pretty sure that he's, he gets some kind of thrill out. Well, yeah, he's crazy. Of course he No, crazy, crazy is an understatement. He is batshit crazy. I have, that's true. Sanity is relative in many, many ways. He's psychotic. He, point is. Of, he enjoys killing people with an axe that he carved, that he, that a symbiote formed. <laughs> So he's he's greatly yeah. personality disordered. Greatly, yes. All right, now, since Pat wants to mention briefly the what if the Venom symbiote attached itself to the Punisher instead of to Eddie Brock, uh, it's actually a fun little one of the Marvel what ifs. Uh, because for those of you who didn't listen to my Spider-Man podcast, and shame on you, uh, Punisher was actually introduced first as a Spider-Man villain. He tries to kill Spider-Man before he realizes Spider-Man is not a criminal. But... Uh, Symbiote leaves Spider-Man and joins with Punisher instead, and, uh, well, Punisher's a pretty, uh, Frank Castle's got some violence, he's got some brutality, there's some angst, some anger, he enjoys shooting the people, if he thinks they deserve it. You marry that with the aggression and psychosis of the Venom Symbiote, he goes a little crazy, he beats Spider-Man, he attacks, he beats the, I think he kills, like, Tombstone and Kingpin, and he just keeps getting more and more brutal. He actually beats, what was it, like Daredevil, Moon Knight, and Spider-Man at the same time? Daredevil, Moon Knight, and Spider-Man. Ha, huh, I was right. Uh, Spider-Man eventually blasts him with a sonic blaster. Punisher overcomes the symbiote to the point where he gets... He actually, because he's so committed to his war on crime, he would rather die than not be in control of his own body. His, the force of his will uh, makes the symbiote sub subservient to his desires. And he then goes on to, one would assume, continue said war on crime. All right, now, again, the, the Venom symbiote has had more than one host. Now, Mark, are you, who's your favorite? Are you, you know, you like the Eddie Brock version? You like Mac Gagnon? 
think that's Gantt. To make this easier for you, I will tell you (laughs) that, you know, you you can't get better than the original. Um, I'm assuming we're not talking about the women at this point. We're just talking about um, the, the four male Venoms. Um, oh come on! We could talk. We could spend forever talking about Anne Wayne. <laughs> um, look, I, I don't think uh, you, you can, I don't think you can get better than the original. You know, I liked. I mean, part of what makes uh, Venom a great character, I think, is the story. You know, I, I said this on the WrestleCast. I said you can give people all manner of gimmicks, but if you don't give them a good story too, then you might as well make them plumbers and, and, and garbage men. It doesn't really matter. You have to give people a story for your for the public to buy into. And so the story of Venom was interesting to me, you know. Here you had a guy that Peter Parker uh sh- you know publicly shamed and uh you know his life is, you know, was just falling apart. He was dying of cancer. He was the, he was at his lowest of the low and then in comes this sort of angel of death, you know, to come and give him new purpose and his purpose was kill Spider-Man. Um Reminds me of uh, uh, the Hand of the Emperor, Mara Jade, in the, uh, the Thrawn trilogy books from Star Wars, you know, where she's just trained from day one, kill Skywalker, kill Skywalker, you know, and then she, when she finally has an opportunity, she kills, like, a Skywalker clone, and she's like, oh, glad I got that out of my head. Um, something, you know, <laughs> something along those lines. So uh, that, I think that's one of the reasons why I tend to favor Venom. Um, I like the Flash Thompson version of it because it's, it's a different character. It's the same powers and abilities and all that, but I like the idea of a, um, of, of a symbiote super, power, uh, super soldier, you know, that's running around uh, doing missions. Um, but it, similarly, I like the Red Hulk for that reason, too. I like the, you know, what, now that they've, you know, we've long since done away with the fall of the Hulk storyline and um, World War Hulks and all of that, you know, they gave the Red Hulk new purpose in being a, uh, a government spook as such, you know, running with, with Venom and the Punisher and some of these other characters. So, you know, I like that sort of thing. It, it's different, but, you know, nothing, there's nothing like the original, nothing like the original story. All right, now, I, I've got to ask. We've got the uh, – Sony has announced that they're going to do a Sinister Six film, and Venom will – I believe they're going to do a Venom spinoff. Venom gets his own series of movies. Yay. Uh, oh, I got a brief correction. It was Mac Gar- – uh, yeah, Gargan, who was also the Scorpion, who was one of the Venoms. Uh, I believe the second after Eddie Brock decided he was sick of having his adrenaline sucked off by the Venom symbiote and he was going to die, he auctioned it off. <laughs> you said sucked off. <laughs> I said auctioned off. <laughs> but yeah, he auctioned it off and it went on the scorpion. But okay, difference. But okay, so we, everybody. <laughs> so, so, so. So we've hey, got Venom hey, movies coming. You, I'm a host. So we got Venom movies coming up. One would assume more than one if there's a degree of success. Now, I don't know if Topher Grace has agreed to reprise his role as Eddie Brock, but I can't imagine that would go well. So, Mark, if you're you know kind of fantasy casting and you've got you got a Venom movie, production company comes to you and says for whatever reason, Mark, you get to cast Venom, and we're going with the Eddie Brock. Eh? Who would you like to see in that? Um, well, you got to get somebody who's swole. I think you know, you got to get somebody who's fairly muscular. The Rock can't be in every. Um, <laughs> I would like to refute that claim, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and steal, uh, steal Pat Mullen's idea. Tom Hardy. I'm yeah, down he for played that. Bane. I know yeah, Tom, Tom Hardy. Cor- 
Okay, well, no, maybe some people in your audience. Why don't you let your right. talk every once in a while? Let me get a word right, in that right. place. Okay, well, hang on. Tom Hardy, for those of you who don't know, British actor, most famous for playing Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. He was easily in Inception. Uh, he played the title role in Bronson, which is a more independent British film about uh, England's most notorious prisoner. Uh, if you, for anyone who's seen Warrior, he was the younger brother. Uh, I forget his name. It doesn't Tommy Conlon. Tommy Conlon. I got there. My mind is a steel trap. Fantastic. So, okay, that's, that's who Tom Hardy is for anyone who didn't. Yeah, I mean, he's got, I think he's got, like, the body shape for it. He's believable. We've seen him, you know. It, it isn't, you know, the problem with Topher Grace was he's not a bad actor. You know, we, look, we can sit here and sort of bash on some of these, you know, pretty boy, you know, postmodern uh, femme actors that are out there. But here's the bottom line. Topher Grace is not a bad actor, in, in, in all fairness. He was saddled with a very poor representation of Venom, um, obviously, but it, you know you can't blame it all on the actor. Movies are, are a joint thing between writers, directors, and actors, and and business people. Okay, Pat also suggested Brock Lesnar. Yes, Brock Lesnar would be just fine <laughs> if he could act. <laughs> Brock Lesnar. First of all, Brock Lesnar couldn't even challenge the Undertaker without, for some odd reason, making it sound like a question. Do this now? Yeah. Anyway. Question? Uh, yeah. But, uh, okay. Maybe they weren't sure if Taker was going to go for it, so he actually did have to phrase it like a question. It was a shoot, folks. <laughs> maybe, maybe he thought he was on Jeopardy, and he had to, you know, make all of his statements <laughs> in the form of questions. Answer in the form of a question. I like yeah. that. Um, in any case. Uh, you know, Topher Grace is not a bad actor. He's just saddled with a lot of a lot of things going against him. Let me just that. say this: I shouldn't look at Venom and think, "Huh, where's Kirkwood Smith to put his foot up your ass?" Well, that and that was the other problem, and that that's where I was going with this. You've already seen Tom Hardy beat the shit out of everyone that got in front of him as both Bane and the uh, the character from Warrior. So it's not a far stretch in anyone's imagination to see him as a guy who can kick a lot of ass in a superhero. It is a lot to ask the audience to believe that Topher Grace can kick anyone's ass. This was the same problem we had with Hayden Christensen in Star Wars, but that is a whole other part. That was one of the problems. One of. <laughs> one, right, now, of one of many. Uh, okay, Carnage has not seen, you know, kind of the light of day as far as mainstream media. Uh, and hold assuming- on, hold on. Hold on, I've got to throw this out because I was, as Mark was talking, I was looking up possible Venom, ca- Venom casting. You know okay. who's the front runner? Currently, oh god, I laid off. Really, honest. because when I say this, Mark's going to lose his shit laughing. From Breaking Bad. Yeah, Yo, bitch. Science. The the, the the bitch guy. Really? That, also, does Hollywood have a thing with like small men, you know, looking swall? What what is wrong with these people? Oh. Uh, also, also the other name that's being batted around is Liam Hemsworth. No, wrong Hemsworth. Liam has no value. I could see <laughs> that over. I could see that over Aaron Paul. I like Aaron I, Paul. I really I do. Don't think Aaron, no, you I don't, don't think Aaron Paul's going to get. It. Hang on, I don't think Aaron Paul's going to get it, and I'll tell you why. Um, his Need for Speed movie is not doing well. And if he can't make it as a leading actor, they're not going to give him a hot property like Venom. Well, they gave Andrew. I've got, I've, got to I've got the the best Venom casting ever. All right, Pat Mullen. Yes, Pat <laughs> Mullen is Venom. Look what wonders he does on the Radley Broadcasting Network. He could probably save the franchise. <laughs> I, I agree, and so does Pat. But no, um, this is going to y'all's going to laugh at me. I don't know the guy's name. I have to look it up, but. 
my ideal venom is uh, Mark. Melissa will know this above anybody. Is the guy from um, Twilight? Um, Which one? Taylor Lautner or Robert Pattinson? No. Taylor Lautner. That's what he's going with. No, it's not. Um, Emma. No, it's not. No, it's the guy. Oh, that plays hang him. on. I know who you're talking about. I can't remember uh, his name. Yeah, I, the, I, I will find I mean, it. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. He's got the Kel- body shape for it. But, I mean, you know, yeah, he's got the body shape for it. I mean, I could certainly see him filling out the outfit, but I don't know if he's got – first of all, I don't know if he's got the chops. You couldn't tell in Twilight. Um, They didn't give him a lot to work with, number one. Number two, I don't know if he's got the the cred to pull off a leading man role in a movie that would end up being a summer blockbuster. I mean, let's remember, these things are not just movies. These are, you know, these are big-budget products. When you're talking about – a movie like Venom, these things are meant to pull studios through the summers, you know, so they can make their money and, you know, and put out stuff that's, you know, going to get them an Oscar, but that no one's going to go see. So if you, you know, I, I would say you're going to have to go some to trust that with a guy who none of us on this podcast who watch movies could remember his name. I remembered his name after I looked at IMDb. That's not remembering. That's looking things up. <laughs> hey, it's something. Yeah, I knew, I knew. I knew he was fa- in, in Famous Cheesley, as your boss, I, I'm going to tell you that, that looking things up is cheating. That's not remembering. It's cheating fair. Cheesley, don't, don't right. argue with the boss. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, once we get salaried, you can pull that card. Cheesley <laughs> already says all the time. He's like, well, you're the boss. I'll do what you say. So I'm going to play the card if he's going to keep referencing. Okay. Right, well, bye. <laughs> well, let me say this. Jeez. Uh, oh. That was my problem. All right, I only scheduled this one for 60 minutes. This is probably a 90-minute show. So anyone out there, we've got nine minutes of live airtime left. Uh, if we go into the over... Really, that works? Yeah, I do it all the time. Okay. Yeah, you can adjust Hang the on. time. We can stay okay. live as, up to two we're hours. We're now 90 minutes. All right, we're good. Now, I knew we could go two hours. I just forgot that I could alter it after we were going. Okay, yeah, we got... Never mind. We've got 40 minutes left. Ignore my previous statements, everybody. Live radio. Right, uh, <laughs> I've I just brought this up. Assuming the first Venom movie is successful and we don't get Aaron Paul. And I like Aaron Paul. That is just poor casting. It, it is poor that casting. Is uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, 100%. Yeah, I actually wouldn't mind, now that I'm thinking about it, if they do a sequel, have Aaron Paul be uh, Carnage. You could do crazy, right? No. No. <laughs> Jack, okay, who would you hate? Ooh. Jackie Earl Hay. He always needs work too. Who? Uh, wasn't there like a crazy person in a Matthew McConaughey movie? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. oh what I'm of, no, no, no. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Edward Norton. I want to see Edward Norton play Carnage. I don't want to see Edward Norton do anything. Jackie Earl Haley. I mean, Nothing let, let's let's look at how great <laughs> of the choices he's he's had. I mean, he was Freddy Krueger in the in the remake of My. Oh, Nightmare. don't don't. He was, he was the, oh, Hang on. I, I'm just going to warn you. Be very careful bringing up that movie around me or Sean Comer because our disgust for that film is almost oh, beyond. He, I, I will I say, thought, I will I say thought it was Jack Earl Haley was he, he, he was does, made that movie. Without a, he was the only good part about that entire movie, apart from a couple of special effects sequences that weren't awful. And the vast majority of that should so have been Kevin, his ability. All right, I'm done. I'll save that rant for later. Because the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is coming to the long, so I'll save my rant. What about um, what do you call Kevin Spacey? As uh, so I'm trying to play people. I'm trying to look at people who have played psychos in previous movies. I mean, the, the cleanest Cassidy as he's drawn is not a big dude. He's really, really like lanky. 
So that's why I thought like Edward Norton, and he and, and I can't remember the name of the movie now, but he played an awesome crazy person. And uh, the one movie was Officer yeah, Richard Gere. Yes, I thought he did an excellent job at that. I thought I thought it's a believable character for him. It's not like he's playing the Hulk anytime soon. So you know, why don't you recast him in that? The other option would be Kevin Spacey, who also plays nuts really well. I don't well, I, mean, I, I, I don't know, but the the leading guy when they originally when they did um, the the Sam Raimi Spider Man. When they introduced Venom, uh, they was going to bring Carnage in for Spider-Man 4 with the Lizard. And yeah, Jim we clearly Carrey, needed more villains. Cause, and Jim Carrey was going to play Carnage. <laughs> Pat Mullen is sure. genius. We, we all seen how great he done with the ju- uh, the Riddler. So just not his fault. That clusterfuck. Not, not his fault. Once again, if you're told no, not his fault. You know, your inspiration for this movie is Frank Gorshin, he did an excellent job of aping Frank Gorshin. He did. I, and I hate, and I hate Jim Carrey. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a terrible actor. But, you know, I, I'm going to defend the guy in any of the, you know, and I'm going to defend all of the actors in the Batman movies. When you're told this is what your inspiration is, do this, they all did a great job of doing the 60s character. Hey, and I actually enjoy Batman Forever. For me, that was a rebound to at least a watchable movie after Batman Returns. And that's been my position for years, and I stand by it. <laughs> Oh, I, I will not challenge on that. Jesse Starcher is corny. Yes, fantasy cast from the internet. <laughs> Jesse Jesse is unable to play the home game because he's doing family stuff, and he had a very interesting story that he told me right before we came on air, and it was hilarious, and it was Spider-Man related in his terms. But it was a uh, if either one of you talked to him, just having him tell you the story, it is absolutely hilarious. Uh, I, Will do. All right, well, we could get we Sean kinda... to play Carnage. Sean would be a good Carnage. I'm going to insist that you step in here, host. In and... Okay, <laughs> we're moving on from this. <laughs> we're moving on. Actually, now, okay, here's kind of where I want to go with this. Uh, Venom and Carnage are kind of the two big ones, but as I mentioned earlier, there's more. Oh, there's a great many. There's a great deal of these symbiotes. Now, most of them, like I said, you've probably never heard of. Well, the way this worked was Venom kind of gave birth, so to speak, to Carnage, who decided it would be fun to create more copies of himself. And that's kind of where we get you know, a lot of these other ones. Now, some, not all of them are evil, believe it or not. I, I believe Toxin was not the most evil of characters. Hang on, back up a second. Can you, can you handle this in chronological order? Because this is where I get a little fuzzy. Which is the all one right. where the... Which is, is Maximum Carnage the one where they where they come up with the five different ones that eventually all get killed by one of them, or is that no. something different? Maximum Carnage was Carnage's basically introduction, where he teams up with like um, I think it's uh, Hobgoblin, the Doppelganger, Shriek, and there's somebody else I'm leaving out, and they just uh, okay. It is Shriek, Demogo- Demogoblin, Carrion, and Doppelganger. And that's that's Carnage's sort of introduction story. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, okay. Pat saying uh, Carnage was introduced prior to Maximum Carnage. He was. This is, like I said. Uh, okay, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. No, I was just saying that um, I, because I wasn't reading a lot of comic books at the time, I got a little confused as to what the chronology was. With I mean, I understand they introduced Carnage. He um, then then there's a story called Maximum Carnage. Then there's a thing where. There's five different symbiotes running around, all with ridiculous names. Then one of them kills the other four, and then they all form Devastator, the biggest of the Transformers. <laughs> now, let me see if I can. So help find me out this. here, somebody. Walk me through. End the listening yeah, audience. A- after, 
after Toxin, I'm kind of fuzzy on all. Uh, I'm I good have, at Toxin. I, I have kind of my list here. Now, Toxin was spawned by Carnage, uh, Anti-Venom, which were, was actually the remains of the Venom symbiote in, Ed, in Eddie Brock's bo- body, which were combined with his own white blood cells. Anti-Venom possesses curative abilities, and he showed up once Venom kind of got a little more out of control. They wound up destroying that particular... And that went away. Not too much. I guess no one liked it. Uh, all right, let me see. Where are you? Um, right here okay. is Life Foundation. Here was... Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. Benjamin I got Cologne it, I got has it. sent in the following. Carnage was in, in, introduced in 1992. Maximum Carnage was a year later, and Separation Anxiety came after that. And Separation Anxiety is the one that I keep talking about, where they all, where, um, all five form Voltron and defend the universe. <laughs> okay, I believe the uh, I believe the ones referenced in that instance are... I have my list here, so I think this is accurate. I might be wrong. Uh, Scream, Lasher, Phage, Agony, and Riot. That's the one. Okay, yeah. yeah, and... It, and they're all killed by Scream. Ellen Venom winds up absorbing all of them back into himself anyway, which is another <laughs> fun little bit of trivia. Yeah, I'm looking at these list of symbiotes, and every one of them seems to end with, and they were murdered by Eddie Brock. All right. <laughs> And there was much. Mm. I gotta wonder how much of that was in what was the people at Marvel going. If we create ninety-seven different symbiotes, let's see which ones end up becoming popular and that we can do extra books on. And then you know, and there was a resounding yawn, and they were like, "Quick, kill them all! Kill them all!" <laughs> Probably not that inaccurate, uh, which is kind of sad because you know the whole symbiotes are interesting, you know, visually. I mean, if, if nothing else than the visual standpoint what you can do with them as an artist is really kind of is really fun i mean like like i said i think carnage from a design standpoint was superior to venom when they were first kind of juxtaposed and then venom went a little more beastly got buffer got more you know again more feral more animalistic there in yeah, the lego version and, it looks exactly the same as a matter wow. of fact in the Le- really? in the lego version venom carnage and ultimate spider-man all look alike they all have like little tent- little Lego tentacles coming off their back. Huh. <laughs> I, I really shocked by the, by the uh, like. shocked by the sameness of a Lego franchise. Wait, no, I'm not. It's Legos. <laughs> Everything Lego is awesome. Different. Everything is awesome. I haven't seen that movie yet, actually. I've seen everything for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, there's a huge list of these symbiotes, and I think you're probably right, Mark. They said, okay, everyone loves the symbiotes. How many can we make? And, oh, wait, no one likes any of them. All right, where's Venom? He, he, he'll come in. He'll clean, up, he'll clean it up. I assume this is. I assume that's very similar to what professional wrestling meetings are like for large men. All right, we're going to give them all a gimmick. Oh, crap, it didn't get over. Where's the under? Where are the black guys? <laughs> get Lashley Coast. Get Lashley, Kofi, and our truth in here. We're going to make a new nation. Oh, fuck it. Call soon. <laughs> Actually, if you want to go that route, Brock Lesnar's, Brock Lesnar's leaving the company. Okay, give his gimmick to Bobby Lashley. He's, you know, he's big. <laughs> yeah, that worked out so well. Triple right. you got to throw Booker T. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll listen to the WrestleCast on my way home work today. That's why I'm making all these funny... Mark, Mark and him made on the wrestling cast about Triple H saying that his people don't win WWE titles. By his people, he means he means 
former WCW talent. <laughs> Which I believe was like the genuine thing he tried to mean there. It just came off as blatantly racist. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the symbiote, shall we? Him and Ric Flair off of Booker T a job as a chauffeur. Hang on, hang on. I have a relevant question here. Did they okay. mean to draw the boobs on one of the symbiote girls bigger than the other girl's boobs? The one that yes. isn't Scream. Okay, the one that is the one that is not Scream, I feel like she has a bigger chest than the one that is Scream. I mean, am, am I wrong here? Look, look at this picture. I that, see that ben, Yeah, she has, like, huge tits, right? Wow. Like, like, I'm not this this it's on the Facebook. What? Oh. It's on the Facebook page. I believe I tagged you in that one. You should. It should be up there. You should be able to I you see, I, the link for it. <laughs> Pat would like to inform me of an anatomy issue that not every woman's boobs are the same. I understand that in real life. But in comic books, they're all the same. Huge. Now, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> Jessica <laughs> Rabbit proved it. <laughs> We're not all drawn no, the same. No, no, no. Oh, but. <laughs> so they made... Never mind. All right. Yes, I, I can see that. What's your point? I feel like we should take this, this discussion in, you know, uh, further. I feel like we need to... Uh, spend the next several Justin hours with the tale of women's chests and comic book. You are Justin not thirteen, sir. <laughs> all right, all right. What do you want to talk about? Uh, are you talking about the one in the purple? Those are masks. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They're like ridiculous. Uh, all right. I mean, all look, right. I, under- I understand that. Like, <laughs> those are Trish Stratus level. Oh no, like those, Trish- those are bigger than Trish Stratus. It's like those Trish are Stratus and AJ world. Lee. Those are AJ Lee's chest is small. Um, He's comparing the two. Said one is AJ, the other is. Yeah, the purple's Trish and the yellow's AJ. All right, all right, all right. Enough of this. We're starting to get into fantasy Wonder Woman level. All right, enough of that. I don't know why the artist chose to do it that way. I really, I couldn't tell you. But lest we get too far off into discussing the female anatomy here, and debatably we all. It was was okay to discuss the latent racism in pro wrestling on this Mm -hmm. podcast, but I start talking about dicks, and everyone gets upset with me. Well, I mean, well, we don't want about you, time. Hey, hold we on, just, Mark. Mark, we don't want you to bust your stitches, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm, it, it, that was a week ago. I'm just fine now. Let's <laughs> <That's what laughs> talk about me. Question one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've created a monster with a disappointment. Yes, Benjamin, yes, you have. <laughs> yes, apparently. I remember when we was, we were discussing Simeonites, and we will get back to that. Okay. All right. So. Okay, getting back to said symbiotes, what else, you know, apart from, you know, those five and uh, the ones we've discussed, do you guys, was there anything else you wanted them to do? I mean, maybe with just with the concept, maybe you want to talk about other versions. You know, it's a, because it's a good concept. It's a great, you know, basis for a story, for a character. Is there anything that, you know, and uh, Mark, I'll start with you here. I mean, is there another version of, of Venom or whatnot that you feel should be discussed or anything like that? Um, I, well, actually, I would have liked to have seen uh, them do more with the She-Venoms. Um, I think Brock's wife kills herself uh, at that, you know, and she, she doesn't last very long. I would have liked to have seen them uh, explore that a little bit more. I would have liked to have seen a situation where she can't get away from the symbiote and, you know, there's storylines sort of involving that, you know, her doing different things to herself to try to get away from this thing. And, you know, maybe an arc where she sort of embraces it and goes, you know, goes nuts. Um, you know, that sort of thing. I would have, you know, maybe they could have done something where, you know, again, kind of exploring the stuff with the she-venoms. Um, maybe one of the, one of the, one of the, uh, the symbiotes jumps on Mary Jane. And now, you know, you've got sort of a, a Hulk deal where, 
Um, you know, when Mary Jane's in control, things are okay, but then the symbiote takes over and she goes nuts, and now Spider-Man has to figure out what to do with that, you know, because he doesn't want to hurt the woman. You know, there was all, there was all kinds of things they could have done when when you you know you have a concept that's uh, that's as far reaching as you know symbiotes jumping on people and taking them over. Um, I think they I think they kind of limited themselves in a way, and this you know and this sort of five symbiotes that we were just talking about. Um, is is a good example of that where they it was like I said before it was just sort of they threw people gimmicks with nothing behind it. I think the only way that this works once you've decided that you've given it to the you know I go back to my my earlier statement the reason why Venom works is because the guy in the costume had a personal issue with Peter Parker. Um, I don't feel like Carnage is as strong of a character. Sorry, Jason, because he's just a murderer. And haven't we got already got plenty of those in the Marvel Universe? So I feel like the, the only way that the symbiote really, really works is if the person in the costume has an interesting enough story to dig into. So, you know, um, there was all kinds of people they could have thrown that suit on to give uh, uh, Peter some personal agita. You know, Mary Jane, I, I, I threw out there. J. Jonah Jameson would have been hilarious. Um, could you imagine? You know, yes, yes, I can. You know, ah, that damn Spider-Man, you're a menace. <laughs> ah, I'm going to kill you now. I've got the power. You know, I could have, that, that would have been hilarious to me. It would have been interesting. Um, you know, and then take it away from him again. And, ah, I had the power once. You know, that sort of thing. So, so, without his sword. <laughs> Benjamin threw out there that this only works if, J, if uh, um, J. Jonah Jameson is Venom with the mustache. Oh, you're darn right. It only works if he has the mustache. <laughs> but it has to. But it. But it has to be more a more exaggerated mustache where it's like handlebar. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not just handlebar. It's got to have the tendril thing. He can like control it. It's his weapon. <laughs> that would be awesome. My mustache has you now. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, kind of speaking to that. Hang on a sec. Uh, Jason didn't. Uh, isn't like in the Ultimate Universe? Didn't Carnage take on the form of Gwen Stacy? Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, he also, uh, in one of the alternate universes, he also took on Peter. He, Peter Parker became Venom. I mean, um, Carnage, and that was fucking crazy. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, but point. all the ultimate, I just had to all, clear that up. All the all the ultimate stuff, it gets <laughs> it gets so convoluted, it's kind of hard to keep track of. Isn't that why they ultimately did away with the ultimate stuff? Was that it went crazy? One would assume. I don't know. Uh, um, I'm finish answering your question. Um, as I said, I, I want to okay, see them explore more of the symbiote planet. That's the only other thing um, I was going to say was I, I would like to see either in more, you know, in another comic book, definitely in the movies. Um, I would love to see them explore more of the symbiote, you know, thing. You know, I, it, it's still out there. You know, it's still doing stuff. You know, like I said, Flash has it now, um, but you know, you've got all these other symbiotes running around. I would almost like to see a situation where. Uh, you know, symbiotes come down to, to come get it. You know, um, they decided was, like, you know, they decided the symbiote was not crazy after all, and we need him to lead our revolution. No, more along the lines of we didn't realize he was going to crash on another planet and cause all these problems. Our bad. We'll come get him now. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point because uh, well, the I think like the first symbiote that ever landed on was not Venom. It was. I'm going to find... I think it was Dreadface, uh, which took place in the Fantastic Four episode. It's one of the same symbiotes, but it lands on the Earth so that it can gain knowledge about humanity and 
you know, bond and gain diversity and whatnot. And it winds up going crazy because human deal and the, it loses its mind, winds up committing suicide. So there is like precedent there. That's all. So no, I, I kind of like your idea. Uh, it, it would be an interesting concept. All right. Like, uh, whoopsie. <laughs> this was supposed to go into your son. Sorry about that. <laughs> Whoops. See, My bad. See, we just kind of got around to figuring out how the gravity of your planet would have affected this, and uh, we're sorry. It would have been even better. Actually, it would be even better if they didn't send him in. It, it, the real story was that they didn't send him into exile. They had locked him up in prison. He is, and got on a spaceship and crashed you know, onto Earth or Battle of whatever storyline you want to do. And they were just like, hey, you know, we, we've, been lurching, we've been looking all over the galaxy. We ended up uh, actually on Metropolis for a little while. Turns out that wasn't him. That was really Zod. We got back on the spaceship. We went. We kept going. Um, we had a problem with scrolls. You know, the whole nine yards here. They, they could have tell you a whole tale of how you know how they eventually tracked him down to Earth. You know, I could so, you know they could, I could I could see the picture now. They have like wanted and then a picture of just a, you know a glob with eyes of the symbiote. <laughs> so would this be the blonde symbiote dog, the bounty hunter? <laughs> no. This is how you introduce Steve Black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, did you see the tweet I made about that earlier? Yes, yes, I did. I wasn't sure if you were kidding or not. Oh, no, that'd be awesome. Now, hold, hold on, hold on. When season finale of the Steve Blackman bounty, he has to hunt Ken Chim. <laughs> <laughs> it ended a cliffhanger. Here's your next job. We can yeah, over I mean, to the wanted sign of Ken Shamrock. How awesome would that be? The world's most dangerous man against... A crazy fucker. Well, you know, Shamrock could use the money, and we all know reality TV is actually scripted. <laughs> no, it's not. That actually, I could go with that, actually. Don't make me bust out the Heisenberg uncertainty principle on you. I've had to use that already this week. But, I mean, I, whoever is running the WWE Network programming, just we, we all know you listen to Mark and Sean on Long Road Ruin. They get shit done. But please try, make, make a little note to Vince on that one. That would be awesome. All right. Only if they have the showdown over. Oh. That's yeah, that's bad. Why free falling plays in the background? <laughs> okay, now that's in bad taste. I just said it for a setting. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? A little bit. A little bit. We have not yet reached the South Park uh, mathematical. All right, so uh, any other of the symbiotes that you wanted to touch on, Jason? Or your storylines regarding them that you like or would like to see ideas? Because there's some poor unpaid li- intern listening to this who's going to take our ideas. So anything that you want to throw out there, as far as that goes? I, I would honestly like, like Mark brought up earlier, said that the comic book wouldn't sell. I would love to see a villain perspective like Carnage, to follow him just being murderous. I mean, shit like it sells. I mean, that would be like off <laughs> just to have... You want to stick it up and blood or, or, fall out of the or, comic book. Or basically, or even better, redo, revisit Maximum Carnage and write it from Carnage's perspective. That's his perspective. Kill, 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 meow, but, kill, kill, kill. Well, you know, I mean, the symbionite, and, you know, you got to have that mental linkage. Imagine the conversations fucking Cassidy's having in his head. The internal dialogue. The internal dialogue he's having is meow, 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 no, that's the internal. That's what Robert Cooper hears all the time. Uh-oh. No, Robert Cooper hears Bane Cat. Bane Cat is awesome. <laughs> Bane Cat is awesome. Have you seen that? The cat that they dress up as Bane and they use his sound bites. 
Somebody, I can't yeah, remember thanks. who linked it on Facebook. I think it was you, actually, Mark, I did. who linked it on Facebook. As soon as I saw that today, I was like, i got to show this to Cooper. Like, everybody else liked up. it, and Cooper hasn't, hasn't reacted to it yet. That I love that. That was awesome. What did you do? I peed in it. <laughs> <laughs> we both know I have to kill you. Okay, Yay, Jesse. <laughs> Yay. Our producer is back. <laughs> All right, moving on from Bane Cat. Oh, hold on. on. Benjamin just posted something that I may have to hunt down on him. Carnage told the story from Carnage's perspective, written by yeah. Warren Ellis. Damn good and creepy. Carnage mind bomb for anyone out there who's not read, who's not, who can't follow along with what we're doing live on Facebook. Oh yeah, there you go. I've had about to. I'm a, I'm gotta get eBay and find this shit. That's a good. That's a, you know, you can find anything there pretty much. All right, so Mark, any other things you wanted to touch on as far as this goes? If not, we're going to kind of start wrapping up. Um, no, I mean, you know, we, we, we talked. I think there was a missed opportunity to do more with the She-Venoms. Um, you know, aside from that, the, the, I mean, other than, you know, unless you want to address how Spider-Man 3 was handled, which I could talk well, at length about. I don't talk briefly about that. Go for it. Well, look, um, for those who didn't hear the Long Road to Ruin Spider-Man podcast, which I don't blame you considering part of it was inaudible, um, our, our, our panel member, Mr. Jeff Harris of 401mania.com, had some phone issues that night. But I wrote a column when Spider-Man 3 came out. Spider-Man 3 was one of those movies where, like, Man of Steel, almost everybody I knew who read comic books hated the movie. And I was like, well, it's not that bad. You know, let, let, let's talk about what some of the issues are here. And I know one of the problems that people had with Spider-Man 3 was everyone keeps taking off their mask. And I mean, this is a Hollywood movie, as I call it, the Judge Dredd principle which is you can't hire all of these big-name actors and leave their mask on. Half of, you know, because as you're a studio executive, I'll get to that, Pat. He just, he just texted me jazz dancing. Um, <laughs> Emo oh, Peter Park. Saturday Night Fever dance past the Heroes Cafe. I'm not going to defend that. Um, I, look, I think the people who made the movie didn't understand the character. I think that, you know, much like Bane, they knew that the character was popular. They had a semblance of why, he, of why he was popular, but they really misunderstood what the motivations were. And so, they, and so what you're seeing in Spider-Man 3 is what you saw in Batman um, Rise of Darkness or whatever the hell it was called. Um, Which one are you talking about? Wait, 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 wait. Which one are you talking what? about? Were they messed up Bane? Because oh. they messed up Bane in Batman and Robin. They also messed up Bane in um, Batman uh, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. The la- okay, yeah. the last ten minutes kind of messed with it. Other than that, I thought it was a great no, way to... they screwed with Bane the entire movie. They, that's a whole other podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I have the... not... <laughs> I wish to refute your claims, but moving on. <laughs> well, you can in two months when I come back. Uh, gloriously, the long road to my first show back will be The Dark Knight, and you can hear why they didn't get Bane right through most of that movie. Um, in any case, they. Uh, I, I, what you're saying is a reflection of, I think, the studio thinking they understood what these characters were about, and not, but not really. If you throw out the canon, throw out the comic book, and just look at what was happening in that movie, yeah, it was a bit of a jump for Topher Grace to go, I'm publicly shamed, I just want to murder. <laughs> well, I've seen worse. Um, you know, and the other thing is, you don't hire Topher Grace without showing Topher Grace's face. You just don't. I mean, I'm not I a fan. I don't, I, do, do you work in Hollywood, sir? No studio executive. These people. Well, let me put it to you this way: What has Topher Grace done since that required him to show his face? Every movie he's ever been in. 
Name me three. Okay. Hang on. I'm going to cheat know. now. You don't get to look it up. I'm making a point. Yes, I do. I don't watch Topher Grace movies, but I know he's been in a bunch. All right. Since Spider-Man, you're looking up his filmography every, after that. And, they, and the fact that it's going to take you forever to find it. He was in Predators. Kind of... He was in Predators. He was in Predators. He showed his face in Predators. Okay. There's he also one. showed his date face in uh, Win a Date with Ted Ham. Uh, Tad Ham. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Jones. I know the, I know the movie. I could name you three. I choose not to because I hate the guy. Because I have no interest. He's a whiny bitch. Valentine's Hang Day. On. What? He was in that? Yes, he's in Valentine's Day. In 2010, he was in the following movies. Valentine's Day, Deathbed, Subtext, which is a short Sucked. film, and Predator. Sucked. Okay, and in 2011, he was in Take Me Home Tonight and Sucked. The Double. Sucked. In 2012, he was in The Great, he was in The Giant Mechanical Man, and in 2013, Sucked. he was in The Big Wedding. So, we'd all be better off if he, so his face has not benefited his career at any, at this point, is what you're saying. No, that's not true. He Maybe he needs the Mark Hamill treatment. I'd be more. It was in Valentine's Day, folks. It was so an were ensemble other romantic. people. It was an ensemble room. Why am I defending Topher Grace? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's amusing. Do you have a man crush on Topher Grace? Oh, Nobody has any type of crush on Topher Grace except with a rock. Sorry, <laughs> right. with a rock. Okay, we're kind of moving on. Back to the that you were getting to, Mark, about Venom and Spider-Man 3. Um, just that, you know, I, if you don't know anything about the comic books, I think there's, a, there's room to enjoy Spider-Man 3 for what it was. Yes, his motivation to suddenly go from shamed reporter to must-kill Spider-Man was a bit hackneyed, but, I, you know, but I've seen worse in the film. Um, again, if you don't get caught up on the fact that why does he keep taking off his mask, you know, it... it the you know the, the final action sequence was was fun enough where I don't you know the movie doesn't bother me and you know, and the last part about it yeah you know the Spider-Man costume was making him more violent and they decided to go with more emo <laughs> I, I I get it I know everyone hates the jazz dancing scene I hate the jazz dancing scene something that was funny once and they managed to beat it to death. But again, that's kind of Hollywood. Why, 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 why try to portray angst on screen when you can just have silly dancing, you know, and a, and a bit of a, uh, a hair tussle? If, if he would have done jazz hands, that would have just been the icing on the cake. It would have been better with jazz hands. I submit to you that Spider-Man 3 isn't as terrible as everyone thinks it is. You just have to not recom. And I submit to you that you're wrong. <laughs> all right. All right. We have that debate. That's been had. I <laughs> I see both sides. All right. Well, we're going to start wrapping it just up. Could so have been, it could have been so much better. But I well, think... Well, a lot of things could have been so much better. Is, Avengers, hang on. The, the Avengers could have been so much better, but that's not what we're talking about here. No, I'm just saying they wedged they tra- they wedged Venom in just for the fanboys bitching. And the whole <laughs> new Green Goblin was just fucking just horrendous. James I mean, Franco, come that, on. I'll tell you what. The green, the new Green Goblin thing was fine. They, they, the, that I think needed to be in the story. They, it was something that they had been setting up from the first two. The car and Venom, I thought was, a, was, you know, they needed to do more with Topher Grace. They needed to have Venom doing more, not just show up in the third act and be the, you know, and be the final boss. Um, I think if they had had Venom show up in the second act and do some truly terrifying things, throw Mary Jane out a window, stuff like that, um, you know, it would have been much better. It would have been much better. The problem was they tried to shove too many characters into that movie, and the one they didn't need was the fan, who served zero purpose other than take up screen time in the first two thirds. I actually think it would have been better if they just focused on Sandman. But the well, point again, stands: there's too many characters. 
Well, yeah, they needed to lose a character. If they, if they were going to have the Sandman in it, they should have taken Venom out. If they were going to have Venom in it, they needed they, they should have left the Sandman. The one yeah, character they could have kept was the new Goblin. Well, except James Franco. It's just off. Oh, God, stop hating. Look, rather than broadcast networks should stop hating on pretty men. Pretty men exist. Hollywood loves them. <laughs> they sell tickets. Get over it. The first time James Franco entertains me, I will stop hating. There's my caveat. James Franco, any movie, entertain me, I will stop hating. Okay, hmm. what was Can I, What was? I'm trying what to was think of a James Franco, Franco movie that's entertaining. I'm going to find one. I'm going to be... I, I, if I have this to be the end? for everything, I will. Damn it. <laughs> this is right. the end? Was, this is the end, was it? Horrible. I... First James of all, I have seen it. Second of all, I won't see it because Seth Rogen. Okay, I think Never Been Kissed was okay. That was <sighs> back in 1999. Um, Matthew Barrymore and, like, Matthew Vaughn. I believe so, yes. yes. Uh, I may have seen it, but I don't remember him, so I don't care. doesn't count. Uh, let's see. I, I've never seen any of these movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're making my point for me here. Uh, uh, shit! Uh, wow, I really... <laughs> Done. Yeah. Uh, Pineapple Express. Pineapple hey, Express. Home front. Haven't seen it. Home. Home front. Never saw it. I haven't seen it. Um. Uh. If I actually wanted to see Home Front because Jason Statham just gets to kick everyone's ass and that's always good. Time. Here we go. He was in Eat, Pray, Love. Done. There it is. Uh. I'm pray, sorry. Love. Uh, wasn't that a he crappy played, Julia Roberts movie that I haven't seen? He played a, a uh, the former rapper Snow in the movie Spring Breakers. He was in Lies of the he was just fine in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. He was upstaged uh, by Andy Serkis and John. That doesn't mean he was bad. Doesn't mean he was entertaining either. He was fine. He was he, he was serviceable. Um, I will tell and you, Atlas he was, was a good movie. Here, here's where, here's what I would tell you he was terrible in, but it, but his performance pales in comparison to the horror that was Mila Kunis. Oz the Great and Power. My wife has a high tolerance for terrible movies. Even this one, she was like, this fucking is unwatchable. All right. Well, now that we've bagged on James Franco, and I maintain, the man has never entertained. Who are you to sit in judgment of James Franco? I'm not judging James Franco. I'm saying he never entertained me. You're, you're, not, saying... you're not allowing him to entertain you. You're, you're standing there, tomato firmly in hand, and, you know, and, and saying, I will not allow you to entertain <laughs> first time, okay, like, The first time he's actually in a movie... The... That I want to see, and he entertains me. My opinion will change. Here, I am allowing myself to be influenced by external stimuli. You can't get any fairer than that, can we? Let's see. Uh, I need you to go watch a few movies, okay? Um, go watch. Uh, yeah, this one seems fun. About Cherry. Go watch About Cherry. He plays Francis. I bet he. I bet he'll be entertaining. I have he no idea. Francis. Francis. I don't know what it is either. But um, here, 127 hours seems to have won a lot of awards or were nominated for them. Watch that. I bet he's entertaining. First of all, that is nothing. I know the real story behind that movie is exponentially more interesting than the film itself. And I actually like Danny. That movie is milk. like, sorry? He's in Milk. 2008's Milk. You're just making me dislike him. Sean Penn's in Milk, too. Yes, and he got an Oscar that he did not deserve. I think you should go back and watch Milk and, and see how entertaining James Franco is in that movie. Nothing about that movie entertains. Uh, you're a hard man to please. No, I'm not. I know what I like and I know what I don't. It doesn't make me hard to please. It makes me aware of my parameters. He was in Flyboy. Uh, Mark's all about parameters. Oh, yeah, God, he wasn't. He was completely forgettable in Flyboys. And I've, I've seen that movie. I forgot he was in it. <laughs> he was in um, a City by the Sea. That's got De Niro in it and Francis McDormand. Uh, I haven't seen it. 
Didn't it also have Benicio Del Toro? It's got Eliza Dushku in it. See, all right, your homework assignment here is to go home and watch City by the Sea and tell me how entertaining James Franco is. And be disappointed in it? Come on. I, I got enough uh, I need to watch Spring Breakers. No, why? I don't like, as a general rule, I don't like comedies, and I really tend to dislike stoner comedies. Since that's it's pretty much the sum total of his comedic talent, I'm just not into Spring Breakers is not a comedy. What is it? It's shit, but it's not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's about these high, high-class females go on spring break, get arrested. James Franco looks like uh, Sean Paul, bails them out, and then they go on like this fucking murder robbery spree. Okay, I will never watch Spring Breakers because Pat Mullen has informed me that Jeff Jarrett is in it. Jeff Jarrett is isn't, isn't that a reason oh. to go watch it? Jeff yeah. Jarrett has never got a dime of my money, and he will not do so now. Jeff Jarrett is awesome. J E double F J A double R E double T. Can I quote Vince McMahon and say he's G double O N E gone? <laughs> All right, I got okay. We are I, way I, off I, track here, but we're getting back there. <laughs> All right. We were talking about Symbionite. All right. Uh, okay, so anything else back in the realm of Spider-Man villains, and I'll open this up just a bit that we may not have touched on yet. And I say just a bit, you get 50 words or less here that we haven't touched on yet, because if I believe this is going to be the, kind of the last time I hit Spider-Man villains during this whole sequence of podcasts. So, Jason, anything? La- uh, closing thoughts type deal before we get into plugs. Closing thoughts is Car- Carnage is far more superior than Venom. You said he's a one-note character. Yeah, but when that one note is completely fucking batshit crazy, it equals awesome. There, I've said my... All right. Mark? Robert Cooper, just found the, Robert Cooper just found the Bing Cat video. <laughs> <laughs> and that's his 50 words. Let's wrap this All up. All right. Good, good night, everybody. All right. Um, Mark, what do you got coming up apart from an imminent trip to the emergency room with your wife? Which is not as bad as it sounds. Ugh. I don't mean emergency room, necessarily. Let's see. What do I got coming up? Well... Sunday, uh, we'll be I'll be hosting um, every uh, fuck me four one one ground and pound radio show. You're not built right, Mark. Uh, yeah, assuming I'm home, uh, I'll be hosting the four one one ground and pound radio show. Um, we don't really have a whole lot to talk about because there isn't a show to review to uh, review or preview. I mean, obviously there's a lion fight tonight as this is recording, uh, Bellator, and then tomorrow night is the World Series of Fighting. And then on the fourth, um, tell you what's happening the, uh, next weekend right now. Uh, next weekend, as far as cards go, there's a Bellator and then there's a Legacy Fighting Championship, both on the same night. Uh, Bellator is headlined by Minikov versus Congo, and um, the Legacy fight on Axis TV is going to be headlined by yet another Holly Holm fight. So. Yeah, there's that talk about, but there's nothing related to the UFC. There's been some card yeah, changes. And in Barrow is now main eventing UFC 173. Yeah, I saw that. Good for him. Um, he's like the, you know, if, if people actually start buying pay-per-views that he's on, he will be the only star that they've successfully made in the last few years that Dana White didn't turn around and sabotage and promptly bury. Hey, somebody, I forget who it was on 411 Mania, started the Barrow Maniac movement. Barawamania is running wild. We need to keep this thing going, folks. I agree. Has some, he has sweet dance moves, and he looks like... You know, I imagine waking up and seeing ha- uh, the face of Hen and Brow in the darkness would be enough to get you to defecate your pants, given the bizarre structure of his face. But l- let's get this man... In, let's turn this man into a star. Yeah. I don't have a problem with Hen and Barrow. I mean, he's finished his last two fights. I, I'm not going to complain. Um, so he's fighting TJ Dillashaw. 
So we'll probably <laughs> talk about that as well instead of Rafael Alonso. Um, again, if I'm home um, and I'm not in, currently uh, dealing with my child, then Tuesday is going to be, regardless, is going to be the last uh, Metal Hammer of Doom. We're going to look at the Austrian Death Machine album. Um, it's going to be an interesting show because we'll be doing it, you know, we'll have only heard the album that day, and it might just be, if we don't get a chance to hear the whole thing, we might be doing sort of a live uh, preview uh, review of the album, you know, like not having been able to hear it beforehand. So that'll be fun. So it'll be Triple Brutal by Austrian Death Machine or nothing. <laughs> I won't be here. It's a mystery, folks. One never knows. Uh, but I think that's it. I think I'm done with podcasts. I mean, um, as as the time um, and availability allows itself, I'll continue to do the Casual Heroes WrestleCast. One other thing I want to plug, April 6th, um, unless my wife is actively popping out a child during the pay-per-view, I will be hosting a, uh, pre, a pre-show and a post-show for WrestleMania. So it'll be one of these deals where uh, April 6th, we'll put up the, the pre-show, Rob will do the 401 Ground and Pound show at 9 o'clock. They're going to pull out at 10.30, and then we'll jump on at 11 o'clock to uh, recap WrestleMania and take phone calls. So that's still on the agenda. I can't imagine. So when uh, Batista walks out of WrestleMania as the WWE (laughs) World Heavyweight Champion, I'm not joking. I firmly believe he will. I will be, at which point I will just be done again. But how (laughs) honest, this is a completely off-topic rant, so here's my thought process. They want to put the belts on Batista. That's been the plan since they negotiated to bring him back. Nothing has changed. The only thing that changed is CM Punk walked out and people like Daniel, and nobody wanted to see Batista and Orton. So you insert a guy who people do want to see. He's going to be there more than likely to eat the fall. And Batista becomes heel and no one cares. And Batista reigns until SummerSlam and no one cares. That's my prediction. Well, let me throw you one better, Mr. Robert Cooper, Robert Winfrey, Robert McNamara. Um, <laughs> Ronnie, here, Bobby, Rick, your mic. Yes. Here's the deal. If Batista, if anyone but Daniel Bryan wins that title at WrestleMania, I will be spending the podcast. I mean, I'll host and I and I will and I will direct traffic and take calls. But as far as my opinion, as far as anything I have to say about the pay per view, I will be replacing thoughts about the pay per view with selections from Charles Krauthammer's most recent book, Things That Matter. <laughs> nice. I, I approve of your strategy there. And look, that that's my position on it. That's what I think is going to happen. I've already kind of mentally and emotionally checked out. I just I think Trips is walking out with the title. I'd find that more interesting than either. I'll say that. So, folks, Daniel Bryant wins, or you're going to get a lot of Charles Krauthammer that night. I think you should do like Chrisley, Chrisley sound bits if Daniel Bryant doesn't. <laughs> We, we may actually, that that's more more likely to happen. We may just end up talking about the Chrisley show. All right. Uh, Jason, what do you got to plug? Uh, well, last night in the cheap seats, me and uh, Coop welcomed the host and co-host from the championship rounds, Mr. MVP himself, in totally 80s, Pat Mullen, and um, Gavin Napier. They joined us to talk of greatest sports movies, considering that everybody's NCAA basketball bracket was totally fucked. So we got on, we discussed movies. After a about me getting off work until we recorded, constant bitching and moaning about the me picking eighty movies to go over, I narrowed it down to six <laughs> six because as 
Gavin pointed out, when he done his wrestling draft, I got to learn how hard it is when you give people opinions rather than just say, here, here's your list, deal with it, we'll go from there. <laughs> so, but it ended up being great. Um, I must say that uh, Pat Mullen does a great Harry Carey impersonation that um, caused hysterical laughter for a good two, three minutes solid from everybody on the podcast. So, if you haven't checked it out yet please go listen to it because me and pat's kind of got a little side bet see how many if he can actually be the mvp and bring me up over 100 listens for a week other than that um you're not even close so if i don't listen and you win the bet what happens i don't know yet we haven't we haven't made the the wager but pat feels confident in himself that before we record part two next week where we discuss football and basketball moves that we will be up to at least 100 lists, just because he's on the show. All right, we'll see how that goes. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. I have I have confirmation that if we do not get over 100 listens for the shows that Pat's on, he will quit podcast. Well, Wait a it's minute. A nice knowing Pat. <laughs> <laughs> wish you all the best. Thank you, Mark. Endeavors. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mark, you're the one that gave me the show. You, I'm not commenting said, about the... No, 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 stop. Before you said Teasley. There. You said Teasley. If... You look like Rodney Dangerfield. Sir, Here, sir. here's the ball. Run with it. I have Before one good was, show that was actually shit that got Before over 100 Any listens. further, let me explain why I said what I just said. You are currently at 25 archive listens, okay? Generally speaking, these shows have about a two- to three-day thing where people will continue to click on them, and then, you know, maybe you'll pick up listens over, over the next course of the year that will pick it up, but pretty much where you're at now is where you're going to be for the next week. So for you to get another 75 listens, it would be, it, it would be odd. If everybody yes. who listens to this show goes and, listen, and clicks on that one, I'll tell you what, you don't even have to listen to the whole thing. Click on it. Give them the oh, archive. Download. Download. I don't Thanks. care if you listen. Just download it. Yeah, if you guys do that, everyone who listens to this does that. We should be... Then we'll need only another, what, 25? We'll get about halfway there. I don't know. Remember, Mark said that your numbers drop when he comes on. And with me on, your bot- numbers are going to bottom out. So we might have, like, Benjamin, Comer, and... Well, hang on. Let me Pat tell you this. We, have, we might just have four people listening. Hang on. We have the what? most live listens to... Uh, this is the most live listens we've had on a podcast this week. Nice. I draw in the live crowd. No one comes twice, but they always listen live. <laughs> and this is the type of conversation they get. All right. Uh, Jason, any other plugs? Uh, uh, we're we're bringing uh, Pat and Gavin back on to do part two uh, this coming Thursday at 9 o'clock. Hopefully, if, unless I have clinicals and I have to rearrange something, it will be 9 o'clock Thursday. Other than that, um, me and I'm going to get with Gavin, and me and him going to do a pre-draft, kind of pre-mock draft um, for the Casual Heroes site considering that's where I kind of started out, and then Mark was gracious enough to bring me over to Radley Jim Barcast Network, give me the podcast. So I'm going to go back there, and me and him's going to try to work up a mock draft together. But other than that, I don't really have nothing else going on. I'm pretty much piled up with class and work, my own podcast, and then doing guest spots. All right, the only show that gets, that gets it. The only show that typically got less listens than yours was The Right Hook. Just sort of point that out. I'm saying ah, that was bad. I, I happen to like your show. I'm just saying that, you know, you, you're still building an audience. Hey, I'm losing Having an paddles. audience, so we had, it's got to go somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <there you> go. <laughs> 
Yeah, mine's going down the shitter. Uh, All right. Uh, As for my plugs, Locked in the Guillotine is live right now in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. I look back at UFC Fight Night Cripple Fight 2. I talk about uh, when I submitted my when I submitted my column. News had not yet broken about Henan Barrow and TJ Dillashaw moving into UFC 173. So I talk about the absence of that. I even speculate that Demet- that one of the lighter weight guys, specifically Demetrius Johnson or Henan Barrow, was going to take that spot. And poor Demetrius Johnson just can't seem to get off the Fox Network. They'll cancel everything else. We need more Demetrius. That's their opinion. Uh, I also take a look at the severe lack of personality in MMA, since I didn't have a podcast. Since I didn't have a fight card to preview. It's one of my gripes right now in the sport, and I'll have something next week kind of along those same lines. This week I looked at the fighters. Next week I'm probably going to take aim at the UFC as far as their promotional efforts and what they could be doing better, at least in my opinion. I don't. I'm not friend. I'm not friends with two people who own a casino and can fund my vanity projects once they start losing money. That's just me, though. Uh, here, locked in. Uh, yes, Pat. We can probably talk about the lack of charisma on this Sunday's show, since. Uh, but since Mark will be hosting, we'll allow him to make that particular determination. I'll give a fuck. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> next week here on Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, I've got two possibilities, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to confirm just yet. I'm either going back to the DC Universe, and I'll have Sean Comer on here, and we're going to tackle the villains of the Green Lantern Corps, because there's a lot of them. Or I will stay with Marvel, I'll have Pat on, and we'll talk about Thor villains. It's all going to depend on the numbers. Green Lantern. If I need I numbers, vote. I'm bringing Pat back. Um, I vote Green Lantern. If, all right. if at all possible, if you do Green Lantern, Gavin Nature is also a huge Green Lantern fan, so... If you need, if Sean can't, if Sean's unavailable, Gavin would be a great person to or plug in. Both, Sean's right? And people who yeah, listen I'm, to the last, the last long road to ruin, uh, Sean Comer has declared himself the Hal Jordan of the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network, and, uh, and so then Gavin graciously took uh, Guy Gardner. <laughs> oh, that's no. one of them, Ryan Reynolds, which is just awful. That's Gavin's <laughs> favorite actor in the entire world. That's another guy who's never entertained me personally, but a lot of... Oh, my God. Hang on. Me personally. Because his style of comedy... His style of comedy does not appeal to him. Everyone's sense of... Everyone's comedic sensibilities are different. If you enjoy the comedic stylings of Ryan Reynolds, I have no issue. Good on you. He was fine in the proposal. Van Wilder is a class... Um, That's not my thing either. Hey, haven't seen either one. Because they... Again, that style of humor and comedy does not appeal to me. So All I right, not very. spend my time or money on it. He apparently was really good in The Croods. Um, it's a voice role. It doesn't uh, count. Well, it counts he was really point. getting buried. Really getting buried. Wasn't that just him? Like 90 minutes? Yep, yep. Huh. And it Never mind. Up he, was good he was just fine okay. in the change Let's up. not do this again. I don't want you to go through his entire <laughs> filmography and say, but how can you not like this? The answer is I in either haven't seen it. In 1993, he was in Ordinary Magic. In 1995, he was... <laughs> Stop. In 1974, he he made an appearance in a sonogram. (laughs) (laughs) Was sonogram a technology in 74? I don't know. I liked liked waiting. I thought waiting was fine. Hey, he's in Smoking Aces. Doesn't uh, doesn't everyone like Smoking Aces? Smoking Aces is another? Oh, wait a minute. Smoking I haven't seen it, actually. Again, these are films he's in I either haven't seen because they don't appeal to me. 
or I have seen them under some form of duress, and I don't care because I don't like his comedic. Okay, so before you do another, see. everyone loves a bad guy. You have homework. You have to. You have to go see uh, Smoke and Ace. Okay, you pay me to do it. I will. I pay you in love and affection. He gave count. you a platform for your podcast. Yes, he did, and I am eternally grateful for that. But I don't get paid. <laughs> Neither does he. He is the true. boss. Just, re- just remember, he is the boss. Oh no! You're going to fire me from volunteering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Safe House was a good move. I liked it. I liked Safe House. Haven't seen it I, again. Look, that's going to be my response to a lot of this, simply because again, his his style of comedy doesn't work for me. So I choose not to see movies that he's in when they're designed that. Way. That's where I stand on the issue. And if you. The movies that I have seen him in, he has not been particularly entertaining. Why That's where I... Men? Okay, hold I on. I don't have on. anything against good-looking men. Why do I have to keep bringing that up? Two guys are going to pizza. All right. Two guys are going to pizza. To finish my plug, on <laughs> April 8th, that, that's a week from this Tuesday. I will be taking over for Mark Radlich, co-hosting The Long Road to Ruin with Sean Comer, and we're starting a two-part series looking at the Saw franchise. So if you're into the horror, if you're into the show, stop by. We're going to kick ass and take names. should be a good time. And again, come back here next week. It's more than likely going to be Green Lantern, all things considered, since I'm still just plowing through comic villains. And again, locked in the guillotine every Friday in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. You can also hear me every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the 411 Ground and Pound radio show. I bring the logic and the sanity. Everyone else brings the personality. And the ticket noises. And the chicken noises. That's true. That's just kind of how we go. All right, that's it for my plug. So for the mandated reporter who will be uh, father for the second time and the last time, Mr. Mark Radlitz for Jason Teasley, who occupies the cheap seats, I am Robert Winfrey, saying again, bad guys are what make good guys interesting. Without the villains, the heroes are just guys in tights. So say good night to the bad guys.